Well, as, uh, as Dave mentioned, Pastor Jason and his family, they're, they're gone for a few days here, get away, so we can um, pray that they get some, get some rest, even as they spend some time together as a family in those ways. And, and uh, right now, the children, they could be dismissed for their time together. They'll be up in the, in the children's chapel, so they can head up there. I'm thankful for, for Dave being willing to cover the Psalms today. As he mentioned, it's it is hard, and what I kept thinking of was that one, that one uh, truth we sang in that one song today is that he whispers and darkness trembles, and that's, that's the God we worship, is the God who darkness trembles even at his whisper. And, and so when I was thinking about today, and today being Mother's Day, and, 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 and maybe putting those together, being that just kind of a one Sunday message here today again, um, I just kept coming back to what we've been, been doing in Sunday school, and so I kind of want to talk a little bit about that. What I've been doing in my Sunday school with the youth is this idea of God's good design, rejoicing in God's good design in us, and that's as we're going to be today. It's been a, good, been a good study. It's been looking at what is biblical manhood, what is biblical womanhood, looking through those things, and, and I, I feel like when I was looking at what, where to go with the youth um, over this school year, um, I just kind of kept coming back to that, and I think part of it is that we just keep seeing continual confusion in the world. What is, it, what is manhood? What is womanhood? Looking at those things, and, and so as, as a church, we want to we wanna look at that. What is, what, is, what is God's design in those things? How did God intend those things to be? And so it's been good, good to look at those things and, um, and to celebrate, to celebrate in those things um, and how God designed us to be, and... Um, and so that's where we're going to be today. We're going to look at that, that idea. We're going to look at why it is important to celebrate that. Like today, we, we even celebrate mothers. Today's Mother's Day. We celebrate that. And, and, and it's good to do that. It's good to celebrate mothers and everything, everything they, they mean to us in those ways. And, and mo- motherhood, as, as any mother in here knows, and anyone who's not a mother I'm sure knows, is, is more than just having children, the ability to have children that it's it's their instilled nature this this nature that god gave them um that makes them so special and so it's a big thing and and so it's more hopefully it's more than just us thinking or or my kids remembering how it was mother's day this morning um that hopefully it's more than just like oh yeah i should probably say thanks to mom or something that it's bigger than that it's it's good to celebrate them and remember everything in how um, God designed them to be, and what a wonderful gift a mother is in those ways. And that, like I said, begins with how God designed us, how he wonderfully designed us in those ways. And so it starts, of course, back at creation. We see God, um, God, how his whole design, of course, started with how he designed and created everything in the garden. And so we need to understand our, our creator and, and who he is. And we've already been doing that this morning, just remembering who our God is in those senses, and, and as creator, just his, his power and authority over, over everything, over everything he's made, over everything in this world, over darkness, um, and over those things. And, and in that, we also, in the creation account, see God's intentions, what God's intentions for uh, the world was. And, and so, in that study, as we were looking, it kind of goes through those things. We looked at the distinct roles that he gave men and that he gave women in those ways. And, and, 
and then when rebellion entered, when the fall came, how those things became broke and distorted. And then looking at the challenge of how to mature well and, and, and to look to God and help in, in, in moving through the brokenness in, in, in how we mature in rejoicing in his design in those ways. And so in, that, in, in Sunday school, we're a little over halfway through in those things. And I found it even good um, for myself even um, and just how it's causing me and challenging me to just better wrap my mind around those things and what it means to be uh, a man, a father, a husband, and all those things, and, um, and digging into that, and then um, you know, uh, instilling that into the youth in those ways. And so the past few weeks, we've been looking at some biblical role models, um, and that's been good too. And, 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 and for female role models, there's, there's a ton in the Bible, and a few that we looked at were Mary, Ruth, Sarah, Lois, Eunice, um, Anna, the prophetess, and those things. And, and so there's just so many, and there's ones we didn't even talk about, you know, like Deborah and Esther and ones like that, that just, the other Marys that are in the Bible, that we just see their godly examples and how God used them and how they honored God in their lives. And so it's good for us to go back and remember God's intentions, God's purposes for us, and how those began back in the garden. That, that's where it all started. And so we read um, the creation account and how God created the heavens and the earth. And on the sixth day, after making man, he declared it very good. But then, it's interesting because he declared it very good, and then he acknowledged that he wasn't done with Adam yet. He declared it very good, but then almost seems to like backtrack, but it wasn't a backtrack. It just, it just looks that way because I think what we see there is that God wanted to make sure there was still an emphasis that there was something uniquely different about Adam and what he was going to do here for Adam. That it wasn't this, oops, I forgot this, but that he wanted to make sure that when we go back and we see this, we see this unique emphasis on Adam and on what he was going to do here for Adam in, um, in creation here. And so he wanted to make sure that that was easily spotted and that no one missed that Adam needed a companion, that Adam needed a helper, and, and Adam needed an equal within that. And so he made, he made sure we didn't miss that there was a distinction with Adam's createdness, that, that Adam just wasn't another animal, that he was created, so he was created, but he was created uniquely in God's image and was given the job of, of caretaker over the garden, given, given authority over creation in the garden. We see in Eve, when he gives this companion, this equal, this helper to Adam here, that there's a specific design and purpose in, in what he did in Eve. He gave them this complementary nature, and that's what we talked a lot about, too, is just this complementary nature, how they complement each other, that where, where Adam lacked, Eve filled, and the other way around, that they, they complemented each other in that union, this beginning of the marriage. What God was instituting here was this, this idea of marriage, of bringing them together to complement one another under God, that God is part of that relationship. And two, and then this kind of, you can really tie this to 
well, we probably hear it a lot of weddings. It's just how God, in this union he made, was going to end up being a picture of Christ in the church, that Christ loves the church like the groom or husband loves his bride in those ways, that there's this, this unconditional love in those ways. And so we talked about those differences between man and woman in that they're distinct and to celebrate them. And there's the obvious differences. And even those are meant to be joyfully embraced, even though many people may think it's a benefit to be a man. You know, it comes up a lot like, oh, men, you know, they're, they're stronger, they're taller. You know, I, I've had plenty of jobs where I just feel like my job was just to be everyone else's reacher. <laughs> like, can you get that for me? Like, yeah, yeah. And I don't even feel like I'm that tall, but maybe I'm Midwestern tall. I don't know. But I was, it seemed like just being taller, just you're the guy who reaches for things. And so people think, oh, there's a benefit there to that thing. Um, but on the flip side of that, of course, we know that men are more susceptible to baldness, um, sweating profusely, and, um, and high blood pressure which, you know, those maybe aren't quite as fun. And so within that, there's still um, a, a humility that comes when those things start to happen. And then, of course, with women, um, they're typically more attractive, um, better looking in those ways, and they have their own medical problems that they're, that they're prone to that, that men don't have to see, deal with as much. But, and, of course, all that is setting aside the fact that women have the very unique gift of um, motherhood, of, of being able to have babies, of being pregnant. And, and I think that if a lot of the guys in here would stop fooling ourselves, um, none of us could do it. Even if God made us capable of doing it, I, don't, I couldn't do it. I've, I've been in the room enough during <laughs> labors that I'm like, she has a strength that I do not have. <laughs> there's a different strength there, and that's, and that's to be celebrated, that, that even though there's times where where Valerie wishes she was able to carry some of the things I can carry more easily. There's times I look at her and just be like, I could never be as strong as she is in those situations. And so it's, it's, it's good to go back and it's good to celebrate. It's good to see God's design in this and how, he, how he, he tied these things to wonderfully work together in those ways. And there's even, there was this interesting study we talked about too with this, looking at these unique differences between... Um, well, in this case, I guess you could say boys and girls. So Hasbro, the toy company, they, uh, they did a, a study where they had some girls play with a playhouse in a room for a while, and then they had some boys go into that same room for a while and play with this playhouse. And when the girls were in there, they noticed that the girls had a tendency to care for the dolls like mothers and kiss them and, and kind of play house with the house, right? And when they noticed a lot of what the boys ended up gravitating to was how to use the stroller on the roof as kind of a catapult for the baby dolls and trying to launch things across the room. And you'll never believe the conclusion they came to, that boys and girls are different. And so just this shocking conclusion that they came to in this study of how um, you have this natural nurturer that happens a lot in females, whereas boys try to figure out a contraption or mechanism that they can make to have fun in that way. And... As believers, I hope we're seeing that, that we, we're seeing that in creation here, um, these distinct natures that God gave to um, men, men and women. There's, there's, there's nuances to personalities. This isn't like 
We're not auto autonomous robots in that way. You know, there's nuances to our personalities and our natures, but there's still this deep, distinct way that God kind of instilled in us in those ways. And when you look at the, the fall, when the fall happened in Genesis 3, when where Adam and Eve, they were um, tempted by Satan, um, their temptation was seen through their distinct natures that God had given them, that Satan, we know, came, he tempted Eve first, and that right there, you can stop and see that there was something unique there, is that, that she wasn't, she wasn't head, she wasn't the, the main authority over the garden, that that was Adam's role as, as headship, and yet Satan came to Eve first, and deceived her into doubting God's word, and Adam's word, because Adam, because of what Eve said to the snake, Satan, in that way, that she must have known what God's roles were and how Adam told it to her. And so she, she doubted God's word. And Adam, who must have been nearby, ate of the fruit also. And so he knowingly disobeyed what God had directly instructed him to do. And so Adam failed in his leadership as the one who was directly told these, this command from God. And so we still carry these roles, even in this fallen world, these roles of, of, uh, of, of husband and wife in this nature, of looking at this. And, and it looks a little different now. Like some of, that, some of those things may look different because of God's judgment in those ways and just the way the curse kind of played out. But even when we look back at, at the study that... that that Hasbro did, the toy company, we see that male boys, men, gravitate toward making, working, using things for tools, um, like launching baby carriages. And we see that females, they, they typically lean into relationships. Um, like in that study, caring for those babies, but just relationships in general in a lot of those ways. And in the main part of the curse... When you look at that, you realize the main part of the curse were in that design of how God made us to be. Men were cursed in their work, and women were cursed in their relationships with their husband and children. All those things were going to change. The things that, the places where God had specifically designed them to um, be their main thing was where the crux of their curse was going to show in those ways. But, of course, as we know, all is not lost, that it doesn't end here, and that even though God gave these curses, that he planted a seed of rescue in the very same verses here, that there would be someone who would come and fix this problem. The how and the when, of course, weren't known here, but God planted that seed early on of someone who is going to come and crush the serpent. And so what we do know is what's, what's easy for us to see as we, as we see this, we understand this truth, that we, are, we realize we need God's help. We need God's help in all these ways. We can't do this on our own. And even, even now that we know, we, we've, we know where the how and when was, that it was Jesus and that he came and that he died and that he resurrected, that even now, even with us knowing that, we still struggle with moments or long periods 
of doubting God's word. That, that very early basic sin, the doubting of his word. And we're still fighting through those same effects in that. And so what we hopefully, what, what as believers, what hopefully we have in that is a, is a bigger picture um, in seeing the hope, the hope that's, that we have in this, that it's not futile, it's not futile in those ways when, we, when our hope is in, in Jesus. Um, the Bible reminds us how death came through Adam, that we were on the trajectory toward death, but life came through Christ. And that's our hope now. We still have to fight, though, don't we? That, that even though we, we know who the victor is and we can celebrate that victory, that we're in this broken now and not yet, as we call it, this, this um, as C.S. Lewis, I guess, put it best in Narnia, I'm a big fan of Narnia books, this always winter and never Christmas, that we're always, we're always kind of stuck in the, feeling kind of stuck in the cold, but never, never not quite to the celebration yet, is, is kind of what he, what he paints that picture of in, in, the, in the Chronicles of Narnia books. And so it's hard, because we're broken down to our very nature, our very design and how God intended us, and so we have to fight, we have to fight that. And, and that's where Scripture, of course, becomes our, our tool, our weapon of fighting through this. And so, if you look at Ephesians, in Ephesians 5, starting verse 22 there, first few verses, Paul talks about this relationship of wives and husbands. He says there, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. We read that, and it's kind of a tricky thing to read sometimes with in modern society because you know, our social zeitgeist would, would tell you that this is kind of taking away liberation from, from women and can feel like tyranny. And it would seem that way if you stopped there, but that's why it's important to read the next few verses there of how he um, directed the husbands. And so starting in verse 25 there, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body." And so that's where we see. We see quickly that this was never intended to be a sort of, of tyranny in that way, but it's meant to be a loving, complementary relationship where women are valued, that wives are valued, they're partnered with their husbands, and he's meant to love her unconditionally as Christ loves the church, that Christ-like love. And this is where... Um, 
the differences and yet value still comes into play. And there's an example you can do here of, of if you have four quarters and you have a dollar bill, which one is worth more? They both have the same value, right? Four quarters, dollar bill, same value. They're worth the same. They, they look different. They're, 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 one can be more useful than the other in, in certain situations when you're, when you're sitting there trying to stick a wrinkly old dollar bill into a vending machine and it's your 85th try and you're getting frustrated and you just want to throw the machine down like a looter. It, you're kind of thinking, I wish I had some quarters, right? You know, there's times where one can be more useful than the other. Or if you're my family, um, we find quarters a lot more useful because of going to the arcade. Um, <laughs> they're a lot more useful at the arcade. Um, and so, yeah, so four quarters and a dollar bill, they both have the same value, but they're suited better for different tasks. And that's what has been good in, in going through this and remembering these things of, of really taking time of just... Um, sitting in these things and remembering how God designed us to be. And, and, and that's why it's so important to remember, remember these things now. When you, when you look at women in the Bible that are, like I said, that we talked about, that we, we lauded as, as great, godly women, no one would ever call any of them weak. Um, you wouldn't call them um, passive in those ways. Um, like I said, there was even ones we, we didn't talk about, like Esther. She showed strength, and God used her, her femininity that he gave her for great things. Ruth, she was devoted to Naomi and showed honor toward her, and then eventually Boaz, who Boaz was a great, another example of a godly man in the Bible too. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was willing to be the Lord's servant, even though it was an unknown road ahead of her on what that was going to look like, how that was going to work, uh, um, being a, a, a pregnant but not yet with her husband in those ways. And so stressful times for her. Sarah following Abraham as he was following God in faith in those ways, even though they were going to this unknown land in a different place, where are they going to end up? Didn't know, but she had faith. She had faith in Abraham, but ultimately in, in God and how God was going to lead them and care for them in the midst of that uncertainty and stressful times. And so when we read, when Peter calls women the weaker vessel, it's not him insulting women, but reminding men to, to honor them and care for them and and show them dignity, treat them with, with dignity as someone who's equal and has value in all those important ways. Um, and that's what, that's what this has all been about, it, rejoicing in God's design, his good design. And that is where we are able to show the fullness of, of, of him, and we become ambassadors to him and to the world around us. And that's what's hard. That's, that's why it's good to talk about these things. Because um, we live in a time, in a culture right now that doesn't want to celebrate our createdness. That, that we, don't, we don't see the purpose in, in celebrating any care or design in those ways. It's kind of balked at in certain ways, you could say. 
um, we, the culture kind of wants to make man in their own image, and they're falling prey into the trap of the serpent all over again in thinking that we know better than God, that we know better than our Creator. Whereas, as believers, we not only recognize that created part, and hopefully do recognize that created part, but also the need to be rescued, that our need to be rescued in the midst of that. Our rejoicing in his design that he gave us um, in living for him faithfully all stems from him bringing the rescue through Jesus Christ, that, that he opens our eyes and saves us in those ways, that all, all of our identity in those ways and how he made us goes back to the garden. And, and so I think with that, you realize that this quickly puts out the fire of the Bible being less relevant. Another thing that can come up at times, but how it's just as relevant, or at times maybe even feels more relevant in some of those ways as we're trying to, as some are trying to define their own identities in different ways, and, and it becomes kind of a, the vitalist, most vital part of their life outside of God in those ways. And so this really leads to what is said in Revelation 4, um, where we read that the, the, the church acknowledges that our reward of being faithful is only possible because God was faithful first. And so when those crowns are cast, when, when the, the representation in this vision of John of the church casting their crowns at the king's feet. They worship the creator who saved his creation, his people. And then John hears them say in that second verse up there, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created And like I said, as we often say here, this is where we get that understanding of the giver, the one who brings these things, the one who created these things, is the one who gets the glory, as he should, as he should. That's what we see here. He should get the glory as the one who did all these things. So I'm, I'll ask the worship team to come up. And so today, again, thinking back on all these things and putting this together with thinking this on, on Mother's Day, it's good. It's good for us to, to celebrate, um, celebrate our mothers. And as I mentioned to um, my class today, to not just thank and celebrate your mom, but to pray, to pray for, pray for our mothers, that God continues to strengthen them and, and, and grow them and comfort them and in all those ways. So it's good for us to celebrate that. And it's good for us to celebrate God's intentions, God's purposes in giving them the exact things that we need.
So we celebrate godly mothers. And, and again, though no one was, was perfect but, but Jesus, we're still able to see the attributes mentioned in Proverbs, a few of which I had on the screen at the beginning of the service. Uh, the attributes of strength, dignity, wisdom that cause her husband and children to rise up and call her blessed in those ways. And in Proverbs, he goes on to say, because charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And so, with that being said, I... We do want to honor and we do want to thank mothers today. And so for all the adult women in here, whether you're a mother or not, but for all the adult women in here, we have a gift on a table out there that it, maybe you already saw it, maybe you already grabbed one. But if you haven't, hope you do. Just a little gift that hopefully you find as an encouragement, um, encouragement from us that, that God can use in your life. And so with that, let's let the worship team lead us. Let's stand together as we sing. By faith we see the hand of God In the light of creation's grand design In the lives of those who prove His faithfulness Who walk by faith and not by sight by faith our fathers roamed the earth With the power of His promise in their hearts Of a holy city built by God's own land A place where peace and justice reign We will stand as children of the promise Fix our eyes on Him, our soul's reward Till the race is finished and the work is done We'll walk by faith and not by sight By faith the prophets saw a day When the longed for Messiah would to break the chains of sin and death and rise triumphant from the grave by faith the church was called to go in the power of the spirit to the lost to deliver captives and to preach good news in every shall be moved and the power of the gospel shall prevail 
Lamentations 3 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Thank you for